So we have spoken of offering spiritual love toward God, the sense of the offered path, the proffered heart, the offered soul, in which we are directionally turned toward the divine in all ways, every breath, every moment, always, everywhere. Therefore, our history is turned Godward. Our future is turned heavenward. Our soul and our life are turned Godward, or cosmically, universally, for the secular humanitarian. And we are receptive, then, to the creator or the omnipotent or that which is beyond all words, yet that which we often have learned personally in cultures throughout the world to name with vowels or something including everything beyond a personal domain in Vedantic literature and several traditions which become extremely philosophical, the name becomes beyond anything we could know as a human being. Only that, only that which can't be comprehended is a name fitting. And then in other cultures, we call God by mother or father or that which we love completely or that which is the greatest. And we could go through a multiplicity of names. In some faiths, there are a certain number of names attributed, each name having a different quality, as if we were looking toward the Godhead from a different direction of the soul and heart and life. In others, it's more of an echo. We call out a name as if we're ringing a bell of heaven so that we're listening and sensing for all that we can't name. So we've offered ourselves, and then we are receiving the mystery. And what we can lend to the intimacy of this love is our own signature called devotion. So in traditions from all over the world, there are practices which are beautiful, timeless in a sense, terms of the classic human life, which is not timeless in eternity, but timeless in the sense of looking back through our ancestry to the present moment and our aspirations for the human race and the earth to continue. So in my own life, one of the timeless qualities would be the lighting of a candle. I remember as a very tiny baby, a candle being lit by my grandmother, my father's mother, and she had a very beautiful glass vase or lamp, which are traditionally utilized in Christian churches throughout the world, particularly in Europe. And they have a beautiful ruby, ruby-esque color. She descended, my grandmother Anna Marguerite Harhin, from a family of Alsatian glassmakers. And so very fine crystal was a signature of her home of her father and grandfather, her uncles and great-uncles, her great-grandfather, the land upon which they dwell, the qualities, the attributes from the earth itself, from that land, 
in Alsace-Lorraine that went into configuring the glass carried across the sea to North America and shown to the gentleman at Corning Glass and then her grandfather and, and her great-uncle becoming two of the first five artisans that configured the Corning Glass and Hawks Glass manufacturers. So as a little girl, she could see them working, particularly etching the glass. As a little girl, I, one of her only two granddaughters, and then she had two grandsons, my brothers, I was allowed to play around the Steuben workers in the Corning Glass Museum. I'm aware now that it's so that they hope that within me might arise the devotion to my ancestors' hearts and souls directionally focused on God in the ruby glass and sapphire glass of their heritage and clear glass so that I might become a person who created glass, designs, and then composed them and then expressed them out to the world as a sign of my familial devotion to God through that beauty. She served as the secretary to the president of Courting Glass, my grandmother Anna. And so for me, from the time I was a tiny baby, long before I could understand a mental image or construct or a word, I perceived my grandmother lighting a candle in a ruby glass container, placing it in a container, so that it would burn beautifully and clearly and yet be refracted through the coloration and perfection of that crystal object. It serves as a metaphor for me of all of my life. The language of ruby, the language of the color, the language of my grandmother's prayers for my father, her only child, who she bore at age 41 when it was thought that she had married so late that there would not be no child. But she went and prayed and lit a candle. And in her practices, traditionally, to the infant of Praga, an image from a Spanish wax figure given by Spanish nuns to nuns in what is now the Czech Republic, in the city of Prague, or Praha, the Czech Republic. So... There to those nuns, one group of nuns safely transported a small wax figurine and several beautifully handcrafted outfits of clothing and embellishments of jewels, including pearls, to place upon that small figure of the boyhood Jesus. And the devotion of the nuns of those two regions of the European continent turned directionally to pray for all of humanity, all of creation through their idea of the Christian or Roman Catholic God thought of at that time as a patriarchal or fatherly figure so father in God mother in the nuns baby coming child into eternity of baby Jesus from our past as historic Jesus 
And they would dress the child in these clothes. And over the centuries, hundreds of outfits and embellishments were brought through the devotion and the needlework of women and men from all over the world, including from my grandmother and the women of her family. So when the church was born, the church was built in the neighborhood where I was born. My grandmother gave a statue with two outfits. My mother always said, it was remarkable to us that Anna gave the statue, but it was more remarkable that she gave two articles of full outfits. And she said one of them was only enough for what the child statue would wear, but one of them was for what they would wear another day. And then other people gave other outfits. My mother came from a different devotion, even though my mother's family was partly Bavarian and partly Czech, and my grandmother's was Alsatian, French, Swiss, German, Belgian. Interesting. And then her husband, my father's father, was from the Frisian Islands, Tessel, north of Amsterdam. His father was from Tessel. Interesting. So my grandmother brought her devotion from the past to the present, to the future, what the child's statue might need to wear. And through her devotion, she offered, may I have a child too, please, if it is your will, I would bring my devotion to how I would clothe him tomorrow. And his daughter, Betsy, when she is born, me, as Anna lit a candle and placed it in the beautiful red vase or red glass. So to this day, I often have around me articles of glass, which are extremely sentimental to me. What does the glass signify? The earth? The artistry of a woman, man, or person directionally turn toward allowing the creator and themselves together to create through them an expression that is that quality of love embodied. They are turned toward the concept of spiritual love. I will bring my love to the Lord and we will create in this way a beautiful red item of glass and then I will place a candle in it and in this moment at this breath of dawn or of eventide God and I will turn together with the air I am breathing upon the earth on which I'm standing with the seas of the oceans all around us and the fresh lakes and rivers and I will light fire to that wick that the body of that candle burn as my offering for all that I am devoted to so that God through me may become expressed, heaven through me may become expressed beyond all violence, beyond all argument, beyond all separation. And we might turn as a Jewish woman places a shawl over her head or her shoulders on her Sabbath 
and turns to pray. Or a Muslim woman, or a Hindu woman, or a Jain woman, or a communist woman going in and lighting a whole handful of joss sticks, of incense sticks, or only lighting one and letting that flame burn and then shaking the incense stick or the handful of them and placing them in the sand of a large, often bronze or iron or um, heavy metal container, maybe filled with joss sticks from thousands of people or no one. When I first went into China in 1979, January of 1979, the old women were still going to the temples and lighting single or triple or handfuls of joss sticks. They were at ages where their aspiration toward the future was going on beyond them into young people like me that China and all of the people of China and the world might go on in whatever we might call God. So in communist China, or in a place where the women would tell me they weren't allowed to pray, but they still would pray in this way anyway. They could define it as secular. They could say, I'm honoring the ancestor, Confucius or simply honoring my own ancestors. And yet their hearts and souls and the cells of their body were in spiritual devotion to that which has created the Communist Party and the ideologies from which it arose. The inadequate places of Chinese history that caused a revolution which we are still undergoing all throughout the earth. What do we call that? to which we are turned. I would call it God. We could say that it is heaven and talk about the Tao of Taoism and the quality of that which arose at really the same time upon the earth as the life of Confucius. We say there was an ancestor, Confucius, and another man, Lao Tzu, who talked of heaven and earth, male and female, the in-breath, the out-breath, the stream and the mountain and the mist of dawn and the air. And then might write a simple line offering in spiritual devotion his own self toward that candle-lit place which is identical in my late grandmother's heart, Anna, Natsu, Confucius. When we live from this place, we are unafraid. And yet in each one of us, there is a slight hesitancy in the next breath. So what occurs when we have courage spiritually is we offer spiritual love to that next moment in eternity in each being, including ourselves. Here, let us all go together first, myself included, like this.